Welcome to Artworks, the weekly podcast produced at the National Endowment for the Arts. I'm Josephine Reed. Since its opening on the National Mall in September 2016, the National Museum of African American History and Culture has become the destination point for visitors and residents alike. And little wonder. The striking building, with its three inverted pyramids, contains the most comprehensive collection of artifacts, photos, and media devoted exclusively to telling the African-American story and how that story goes to the heart of American history and culture. This month, the museum opened its first special exhibition, More Than a Picture, a display of more than 150 photos and artifacts that gives a striking visual account of the breadth of African-American experiences. The exhibit explores the way photographs represent moments in history, both significant and quotidian, key cultural moments, and folks dancing on a street corner or watching a parade. More than a picture connects the viewer to particular times and places, from slavery through Jim Crow to Black Lives Matter. And while the stories vary, one message is constant. See me. I am here. Aaron Bryant, Curator of Photography and Visual Culture at the National Museum of African American History and Culture, had the daunting task of co-curating more than a picture. And he walked me through how this exhibition came together, explaining the impetus began with a popular series of photography books published by the museum. Uh, We've published these small books of about 50 to 75 photographs each. And so that was sort of the inspiration. We wanted to find a way to highlight or feature certain images from those books. But at the same time, we wanted to feature images that we would have liked to include in the books but couldn't. Um, So that's sort of where the exhibition started. Well, how did you select the images? Well, In making selections, we wanted to talk about how images are more than just pictures. Obviously, with a photograph, there are so many layers behind the two-dimensionality or the surface of the photograph that there are stories. You know, there are real lives that are behind these images, whether it's the life and perspective of the photographer or the subject of the image. We wanted to sort of convey the idea that images can tell us so much more about who we are as a nation, as a culture, as a community of people, and how it can represent not just memory, but history. Though, obviously, photographs make up this exhibition, they also play a major role in the museum as a whole and in the story that you're telling there. Mm -hmm. Why do you think that is? Well, I think we have to acknowledge that we're very much a visual culture. I think we've always been a visual culture, right? Before there was language, there was uh, the semiotics of images and how images conveyed meaning somehow. So throughout the museum, I think we kept to that and acknowledged, particularly today, that images are so important to how we interpret and make meaning of our experiences. So I think that's part of the reason why you would see uh, so many images. I think in the 21st century, uh, when you think about social media in particular, it's Social media really is about people connecting through images. 
And so I think that's part of it, too. It just really represents a 21st century form of communication, which is interesting when you think about, say, uh, during prehistories, right? Images were really important to communications, and then we go through uh, periods of literacy that are less visual and maybe more oral. And here we find ourselves today in an era of social media where we're sort of reverting back to visual literacies. How extensive is the photography collection at the museum? Uh, We have about 25,000 in our collection, and it covers from uh, 19th century uh, images up to present day, literally, up to images that were created within the past year or so. And that's true of the exhibition more than a picture as well. Absolutely. You know, what I found so fascinating about this is the breadth of history these photos show, from people who are enslaved till the present day. And then they're taken by famous photographers, celebrated photographers, as well as you know, Uncle Joe, who you know took a picture of the barbecue. And that's also true of the people being portrayed. Some are celebrities and some are everyday people doing everyday things. Right. Um, well, and that's really what history is all about. I mean, we generally think of history as being made by the well-known and the famous. But I think one of the things that we privilege as historians is uh, the cultures and communities of everyday life and how history is made by everyday people in their everyday lives. When you look at certain movements in history, for example, abolition, or even, say, to the very beginnings of this nation and um, the Puritan movement, for example, these were just, in many ways, just everyday people who were taking it upon themselves to empower themselves, to claim their agency, to change their lives. And history is really made by everyday people who have made the decision to empower themselves to change their lives. And in the course of changing their lives, they also changed the course of history for many of us. Is that one of the themes that you had in mind as you put this exhibition together? Absolutely. And also as a curator of photography and visual culture, it's something that I always keep in mind with our collection that it's not just about the well-known, but it's about the everyday. And how do you represent everyday histories? Um, How do you represent different kinds of histories? We have the general kinds of historiography that's generally towed from the top down, but how do you also represent voices from the margins and bring voices from the margins to the center? There's a picture that I really would like you to describe because, Mm -hmm. hands down, it is my favorite And it's the Elks Parade in Harlem in 1938. And it is an extraordinary image. And not just as an image, but what it says about that time, that place. Right. It's, It's one of my favorite images as well, because I think it's so epic in many ways. What we see is folks on on the street. It's from an angle from below the waist of the people. And the camera, the lens is actually pointing up towards the top of the series of row houses, and then you have fire escapes all along the, the outside. And people are lined up all over the fire escapes, as well as on the streets, and they're, walk, and they're watching this parade of Elks um, march through. It's in um, Harlem. It was taken in 1938 by Jack Manning. And what's interesting is the photograph, I believe, was taken for Life magazine, and there was a caption 
that was to a certain degree victimizing the people in this parade. Um, you know how they live in Harlem, they live in tenements, and how they're poor. But the reality is, is you don't see that at all in the image. Oh my God! Yeah, it's really interesting how the caption sort of uh, creates this. Uh, idea of victimization in many ways, but what you actually see in the photograph, or at least what I see, is not victimization or people who are poor or struggling, but people who are celebrating. Um, there's a sense of empowerment and agency. And, and, and pride. And pr absolute pride. Uh, yeah, absolutely. It's so interesting because we don't see in that picture the people who were in the parade itself. It right. really is the spectators. Right. And the street is jammed. Yeah. And the thing that I think is so astonishing about this photograph is it's so epic. It's almost like a scene for, from some grand opera or something. It looks more like an opera set. And it's kind of unreal to think that communities in, in any part of the country, in Harlem or anywhere else in the country, really look like this. And just the sense of pride, um, to use your term, and joy and celebration is just absolutely astonishing and how everyone wanted to participate in this parade in some way. You know, what I love about it is just remembering a time, as you said, when people would flock to the street because their community had this celebration. Well, yeah, and I, and of course, that's the photographer's perspective, isn't it? It's about celebrating the community and how the community is really at the center of these parades, the community and the feeling of pride and, and joy and celebration. And shared purpose really is at the center of what makes a parade so astonishing. It's, it's not just shared purpose, but a shared moment in time that all of these people on the street have in common. And... Yeah, it's one of my favorite photos for that reason, because mm -hmm. it shows how community, culture, and history really does require all of us coming together to celebrate who we are, to celebrate our shared purpose, and to celebrate our commonalities. So whether it's just a neighborhood in Harlem or people across the nation, for me, history, culture, and community really is about all of us coming together to celebrate. And I think a lot of our photos speak to that. And that's part of the theme that weaves through this exhibition. Tell me how you organized it thematically. Um, well, we thought about with so many photos, um, whether looking at the images from the books that we've published or thinking about 25,000 photographs in that collection, we thought about it's these images and how they relate specifically to the mission and the vision of the museum. And remind us what it is, just in case listeners don't know. Right. We thought about how the museum is divided. So if you come to the museum, we have really three major exhibition spaces. Uh, we have the history galleries, which are on the concourse levels. We have our community section, which is on the third floor of the museum. And then we have um, culture, which is on the fourth floor of our museum. And so we thought about the photographs in that context. How do we talk about these images in the context of history? How do we talk about them in the context of community? And um, which images best represent culture? So thinking about it through that lens, no pun intended, really helped us to begin to interrogate these images. In many ways, images can represent all three. But then we had to make a decision my co-curator, Michelle gates Moresi and I, we thought about what was more important in terms of the subject matter captured by the image. 
Does it say more about community? Does it say more about culture? Or does it represent history in some way? Well, in order to answer that question, we had to then begin to think about definitions for those terms. So essentially, in very essentialist terms, I, I suppose, agency and empowerment for history, identity and expression for culture, and a sense of belonging and shared purpose would represent community. And there's also a real drive to put these photos in context, both with their captions and in the way they're hung. Tell me how you approach this. Michelle and I uh, approach these images with the idea of uh, semiotics or visual literacy. And so context, perspective, how the photographer approaches the subject matter, how does the subject or how might the subject see themselves And then uh, the perspective of a viewer, you know, how are we approaching the photograph as uh, we look at it outside of a caption? And so that was part of the interrogation as well, not just um, categorizing, but looking specifically at the different perspectives and how they might be reflected in the image. And so how do we then convey context, uh, either through label text or how images are juxtaposed to one another. Sort of in conversation with each other. Right. Uh, We created a visual discourse. And um, I've been a curator, a visual arts curator for some time. And for me, visual discourse is really important. It's not just about the individual photo, but the photo seen within a particular context. How does the meaning of this photo or your interpretation of the photo change if you knew the caption? What new perspectives might that caption bring to your interpretation? Likewise, how might the interpretation of this photo change if we put it next to another photo? So it's not just about the choice of photos, but how we design the space and how we created visual discourses throughout a particular space. Can you give me an example? Yeah, for example... Uh, You could be looking at Devin Allen's photo that was on the cover of um, Time magazine of the uprisings in Baltimore, the unrest in Baltimore. And while you're looking at that, next to it is the Corrales image of the procession. And and it's that well-known image of marchers coming down a hill. And that's the picture of the march from Selma to Montgomery. Yes. Again, another epic image where you have this very operatic, cinematic kind of cloud overhead and you see this procession of people walking down a hill. So, you know, what are these two images next to one another? What are they saying about protests and the evolution of protests? Well, you look over your right shoulder or right behind you, and there is a sign that says, we demand an end to police brutality. So people might assume that that's part of the Black Lives Matter movement, but what they may not realize until they go up to the protest sign and read the label is that the protest sign was actually from a 1963 march. And so there's a connection between the Devin Allen image and directly behind you, this protest sign from 1963. Uh, we have a photo below the, the police brutality placard, and in that photo is the actual placard from the March on Washington from 1963. So now we have a discourse between this photograph, we demand an end to police brutality, and then the Devin Allen photograph of a barrage of uh, police officers chasing um, this lone man with a bandana to show a conversation that's happening between this image in 1963 and this image that was taken in 2015. 
we wanted to create an exhibition where in order to get certain things, you had to come back more than once. You had to see it more than once. Well, as is, is true with the whole museum. Yeah, which is absolutely true of the uh, entire museum. And to be able to treat certain images with nuance, it took a while. It took a lot of thinking as, as opposed to just sort of putting photographs on a wall and saying, okay, we've decorated the space with images, come in and see it. We really wanted to spend some time in creating nuance so that there's this conversation happening from beginning to end between every single photo. Well, in Double Exposure, which is the multi-volume series of books that you put together based on the museum's collection, you have an entire book in that series focused on African Americans in the military. Tell me why you chose to devote a book to the military and the significance of having photographs of African-American service members in this exhibition as well. Yeah, well, you know, at the heart of the exhibition is with, I think, all of our exhibits, you know, this whole idea that we're all Americans and this is American history. And throughout the history of the nation, uh, African-Americans have fought for defining themselves as Americans and their role as part of, uh, part of this country. And how our history throughout those struggles has really been a reflection of American history. When you walk into the exhibition, you'll see a camera on a podium, a circular podium, and right above the camera, along with a number of other images, but the very first image you might see would be a photograph that was taken by James Corrales of a young man, and behind him is the American flag waving. Um, which is one another one of my favorite images. Well, this whole idea that this is America's history and you're about to walk into a conversation about what it means to be American. So with that said, the military images were really important to us to include because that's part of that diversity that reflects who we are as a nation, that we were people serving in wars to defend our nation's democracy that we've been a part of every part of America's history, and we've been instrumental in shaping that history as well. So the military images become really important in hitting that point home. Yeah, one image is of a Gold Star mother. Gold Star mothers are Mm -hmm. mothers whose children have been killed in in combat. You can see the Gold Star on the window, and she's staring out, out of the window, and it's a very quiet picture, but just heartbreaking. And you know when it was taken, it was taken in the 40s in this era of great segregation and, and a lot of a lot of racial prejudice, and yet she gave her child. Yeah, absolutely. That's um, a Teeny Harris photo. Um, and yeah, it is pretty poignant. And we have it actually facing a photograph of um, servicemen giving the double V sign. So those two images together say something about the problematic relationship of just um, being willing to die and to defend democracy, even in times when you don't necessarily benefit or reap all of the benefits or the advantages, the full advantages of citizenship yourself, that willingness to sacrifice to protect it. Um, And so we have these two photos together to sort of make that commentary to a certain degree that you have people who have made considerable sacrifice for America and its democracy, even when they weren't really receiving all the advantages. Let me ask you this. Are you at all surprised at the level and the depth of the interest 
in the museum, which has been mind-blowing. I mean, in how many people want to come? How many have come so far? Over Gosh. Well over a million. Yeah. A million three. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And people are still trying to get passes to come in. I would say that I'm not surprised. Part of the reason I became a curator is because I was so much, I'm, you know, I'm just a regular schmo. And I was interested in the stuff. You know, it wasn't like I was some intellectual type that wanted to spend my life uh, doing research on objects and particularly photographs. I'm just a regular schmo who <laughs> loved history and loved learning as much as I could about my past and my culture and communities that were like mine and different from mine. And I think we all want that, to explore and engage our humanity that way. I became a curator to sort of address that need but I knew that there were lots of people who weren't curators who still had the same need to learn something about their past and how to make sense out of their lives in the context of a larger history. It's interesting going through that museum, watching people look at the exhibits, which I've done, and it's very moving. It's extremely moving. Yeah. Well, even with our exhibition, people who came in and they cried. You see that a lot in that museum. Yeah, you see it a lot in the museum because, um, and I think part of what we do is it's really important to us that everyone be able to see themselves or a part of themselves and all of the displays. And so people are moved by that because for the first time they feel like they're part of a national story. That they're being seen. Uh, that they're being seen, they're being heard, and they're considered a part of what makes this nation great, I think. There have been times of conflict and confrontation, but in the end, you have to acknowledge that we're all a part of this country and we're all a part of this history. Let's talk about photography as an art form of the people, as a democratic art form. Well, it's been that argument since the very beginning of photography's history and over the course of its evolution that has always been the issue, that it is so democratic, that in terms of being in a space, particularly a gallery or part of an art collection, you have your high art, but then you have photography, which is really the democratic art in many ways and has never, to a certain degree, been validated throughout art history. One of the things I like about photography is that it does have all of those complexities, and, and it is so democratic. One of my favorite photographers now is Devin Allen. I'm from Baltimore. I still live in Baltimore. And then I have, um, you know, this young guy, Devin Allen, from Baltimore. He's How from old Baltimore. is he? Is he 22? Oh, well, uh, he might be 29 now. But oh. when he took, yeah, when he took that um, photograph that ended up on the cover of Time magazine, he was about 27 and had only been shooting photography for about two years at that point. But the guy's genius. I mean, he just has a knack. He has this sort of like I always describe, there are people who have perfect pitch. Well, there are people who have perfect vision or have a perfect eye to a certain degree. And we may not recognize them because they don't always get a camera put in their hand. And I think he's one of those folks. What is great about that is the democracy there is, not just photography, because it can become the voice of the unheard in many ways. But the democratizing process of social media, you don't have to be in a gallery to be seen. You can put your images up online and it can get an audience. And that's what, that's what happened to Devin Allen. So there was such a democratization of uh, photography and the field there that was sort of groundbreaking. That's what's so interesting. It's not like, oh, he became known when he was on Time magazine. No, he actually was on Time magazine, because, and he was very well known. Yeah, because by that time, and, and it happened in 
you know, a matter of maybe a week, you know, um, that his images were... But they were shooting around. Yeah, everywhere. They were everywhere all over the world being exchanged and uploaded on sites of the, the very famous to, you know, regular folks like me were looking at his images and discovering his images for the first time. Why is art important in the everyday lives of people? Um, I think it goes back to, again, this whole idea of democratization, that art becomes the voice of the unheard. Uh, you know, I think about the histories, particularly of African Americans, and how art, um, music through Negro spirituals or the visual arts, when you think about um, some of the early painters like Horace Pippin, but more specifically, the everyday folks, the, the folk art of the formerly enslaved and the enslaved, how music, dance, visual art, all of those things really became a voice for people who might have been voiceless, a way of being seen and heard and sort of expressing who they were as a community or as individuals. So it's always been important as a language. And I guess that goes back again to the earlier part of our conversation, even in prehistory. Art was a way that people communicated and, and said, I am. Uh, what is it, the, the Cartesian, I think, therefore I am. I've always said that art was a way that people said, I paint, therefore I am. I sing, therefore I am. I dance, therefore I am. Art becomes a way of singing, dancing, and painting yourself into being and painting your community into some sort of acknowledgement recognition. And there we'll leave it. Aaron, thank you so much. I really I do appreciate you coming in. And bravo. That's a, <laughs> it's a marvelous exhibit. Well, thank you very much. I really appreciate it. And no. hopefully folks can, um, if you have passes, you get into the museum and see all the exhibitions, including the photo exhibition. Yeah, and just <laughs> briefly, let's say somebody is coming to Washington or they live in Washington. There are some same-day passes, not yeah. very many. Um, absolutely. Uh, you can check online, say, 630 in the morning. That's one way uh, to get same-day passes. And then also uh, around 1 p.m. every single day, uh, you can line up outside the front of the museum, which is the side of the museum facing the Washington Monument and the National Mall. You can line up outside, and they um, often have same-day passes available that time as well. Okay, good. It's a museum everybody needs to go and see often. Yeah, yeah, not too shabby. We not did too okay shabby. You, it, did, we? you did better than okay with that. Thank you. What a treasure. Well, thank you very much. Thank you. That's Aaron Bryant, Curator of Photography and Visual Culture at the National Museum of African American History and Culture. To find out more about the museum, go to nmaahc.si.edu. You've been listening to Artworks, produced at the National Endowment for the Arts. To find out how art works in communities across the country, keep checking the Artworks blog or follow us at NEA Arts on Twitter. For the National Endowment for the Arts, I'm Josephine Reed. Thanks for listening. Yeah.